Hi, and welcome to the Night Spice Book Review Podcast. I'm here with Oscar. Hey, Neil. Episode 12. Yeah, episode 12. <laughs> Do you want to start over? No, let's keep it in. Okay. Perfect. Um, yeah, so this week we read The Snow Queen, uh, a book by Joan Devinge, and this is not related to the fairy tale um, by, I think, the Brothers Grimm. I'm not sure about that. Yeah, I think it's... I think it was some kind of inspiration for it, but yeah. it's not at all. It's not like about it. There, there's some loose plot lines that are common between the two, but uh, not not too much in common. Um, yeah, so this book was very long, so we're going to give a high-level plot summary. Uh, Oscar, do you want to do it, or should I start? Sure, but first let me say that as I was leafing through this book again just now, I just realized that there is a three-page prologue that I totally missed. Oh, um, so that's okay. Cool. <laughs> uh, yes, high level plot summary. Uh, okay, so this takes place on a world called Tiamat. It's in a you know science fiction setting where there was an old empire that has fallen, and now there's a hegemony of I think seven worlds, including Tiamat. And <sighs> Tiamat is a. Or, hmm. You, you traverse this empire through these sort of black hole powered wormhole style gates. Tiamat is only accessible to the hegemony through its gate sometime. And when it's in that phase, it's in winter and is sort of a regular science fiction starport and people, you know, people from all different worlds coming through and it is controlled by the winters who are sort of this, uh, you know, aristocratic, Tech deprave urban yeah, tech exactly right they live in their main city and they sort of luxuriate in all this wealth and technology and then when that season comes to an end when it will no longer be accessible it becomes summer and this the summer people who live on the outlying islands sort of become ascendant and there's no technology there which we learn pretty quickly is not a coincidence it's because the hegemony doesn't want tiamat to develop any technology they they go out of their way to, to suppress it when they have to leave at the end of winter. And then the this so so that's all the setup. That's a small part of the setup, I guess. Right. And, and that's and, how the hegemony like establishes its hegemony. Right. Because it, it provides this technology, but the client state can't build it itself. Right. Exactly. And it's uh, I think if I'm reading this correctly. The reason they do it is because this planet is home to the MERS. Is that? Yes. And and the MERS, if you slaughter, they're sort of dolphin-ish in their relation to society, I think. They save sailors, right. uh, et cetera. If you slaughter them, you can extract from them the water of life, which provides immortality as long as you keep taking it. So they basically keep Tiamat subjugated by forcing it to stay low tech and then sort of come back every x 150 years i think yep when summer changes to winter and they can get back through the black hole and they harvest a whole bunch of the water of life and etc that's like the geopolitical setup yes um man there's a lot of characters we got to get through now i know uh, uh well, just the main three i guess we could do i have four so i'm interested to see what your main three are well there are like a thousand characters who get I mean, their own sort of third person perspective. I, I know who I would say the fourth person is, but yeah, my main three are um there's uh these two th- there's a there's the winter queen, she's in charge of the winters, um, Arianrod. Rod. 
and she's the queen during the current 150 years of winter, which is where the book takes place. It's just, and winter's about to end. Um, right. And uh, I had her as well on my yes go card. And and she knows that when winter ends, she has to give up power. And the way she gives up power is by getting ex- ritually executed. Yes. <laughs> um, which I thought was pretty cool and spooky. Yeah. So, I, anyway. That was a very cool part of the book, I thought. Um, and as part of a way to get around this, she uh, decides to make a clone of herself, uh, Moon, who is another of the, my main characters. Me too. And she Moon is sort of raised in ignorance as a summer on this, uh, you know, remote island, etc., and just sort of gets drawn in by the chances yes. of, of plot and stuff like that. Right, right. And so am I correct that Aryan Rod's whole whole plan at this stage is literally just to have a clone and I think make her be Summer Queen. I so that think so. I think she's okay getting ritually executed as long as right. her clone takes over. Which I found strange given her character, but we can get into that. Right. But kind of cool. Yes. I was, so I don't know if I know the prologue is about her sort of setting this plan in motion, which I of course didn't read by accident, but the fact that that's her plan absent the prologue is, is spooled out very slowly. Yes. I think so. um, The prologue uh, is to draw you in. Well, you know, they start, it's very, a very slow beginning, I think. Um, yeah, it's like begin. Okay, well, no, two, no spoilers. Who is your third yeah. character? <laughs> oh, yeah. And then the third main character is uh, Sparks, uh, Moon's cousin slash lover, Gross. And yeah, um, but science fiction can't yeah. escape. <laughs> Thankfully, they turn out to be not genetically related because Summer is like a implanted clone. I mean, Moon is an implanted clone, right? Which is awfully convenient, considering that just for them as characters, considering that their society condones this. So it's just for the convenience of the modern reader, I right. think, that they turn out. That yeah, way. the society's so, fine with it. I mean, I guess sometimes first cousins get into each other. Yeah, I don't other, think but... it's unheard of yeah. in history. Right. Um, right. So those are my three main characters. Uh, and yeah, Sparks. Guess who my fourth was? Uh, Jerusha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she, she would be my fourth as well. Um, she's, a, she's a hegemonic police chief, or... That app, not a police chief, police inspector at the beginning. <laughs> right. And then she become yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Sparks, his father is an off-worlder and he loves technology and that stuff more than a summer like normally would. Yes. And right. So he, he and Moon go to this place at the very beginning to in the hopes that they will both be chosen by the lady of the sea. Is that the sort um, of a I think that's right wait is that to become a sibyl right or? to see if they'll be chosen to become sibyls and moon is chosen and sparks isn't and he leaves sort of full of bitterness and she pretty quickly like pretty readily is just like hey you are very cool but like I am being called by God so I'm leaving yeah um, and, and then sparks. they sort of go their separate ways for a while right like sparks is upset his lover cousin left <laughs> Yes. And so he heads to Carbuncle, the capital city, uh, where he's taken in by the the Winter Queen, who looks just like her Very cousin, cool. his cousin. because right, Moon is a clone yeah. of Aryanrod, the Winter right. Queen. Um, oh, and 
another thing is uh, the Winter Queen's 150 years old, but she's been drinking the water of life. So she looks right. the same age as Right. Moon. They look identical. Yeah. So uh, let's, before we go further, I, I think, so that is like the first couple chapters of the book. Right. I think. I feel like the way we're going, we're going to be doing this for 40 minutes. So I'm, Well, here, so here's what, here's what I would say happens. Now. If we, if we look at this maybe from um, Moon's perspective, in my opinion, she basically, she comes back from her Sybil training. She is, is sort of, is tricked by a messenger of the queen into, so the queen wants to recover Moon. That's her motivation for probably the first half of the book. Um, yes. So she tells a traitor to tell Moon, come save your cousin in Carbuncle, this sort of, you know, hive of scum and villainy right. type, you know, sci-fi city that you can probably picture even without more description and certainly without reading, you know, dozens and dozens of pages of well, description of it. I imagined it to be like a hybrid sci-fi fantasy, like... And I imagine like a medieval town, but just with robots. Yeah, I could I could see that. Because when right, because they still use the city in summer when there is no technology. So Yeah. It, yeah, that's interesting. Like it felt very I don't know, a little bit more medieval. Um Yeah. Anyway, sorry, continue. Oh, uh well, and then Moon basically, in my opinion, goes to Carbuncle and has a whole series of like is sort of bounced from misadventure to misadventure for most of the book. Her only goal being to find sparks. And then at the very end, by the way, full spoilers, as always, <laughs> at the very end, um, decides pretty quickly, I felt that she needs to be the next summer queen so that she can, um, like she, she comes to care about the planet and the fact that it's being oppressed by being kept in this low state of technology and she decides that she needs to be the summer queen so that she can sort of bring it out of this she can sort of you know revolution etc get it out of this position of subservience to the rest of the hegemony yes um but the middle like three quarters of the book between her choosing to become a sibyl and deciding that she needs to, I mean, maybe when she gets back to Carbuncle at the end and is sort of actively trying to get to Sparks, that whole middle section, like she goes through the black hole, she goes to another planet, she comes back, she crashes in the water, she, like all this stuff happens. She gets captured by bandits and like teaches a bandit girl to oh, yeah. like, be nice to animals and like all this stuff. But she, I feel like is making very few active choices through all of that. Like she's just, uh, she's just like reacting to a bunch of things happening to her and like trying to survive. I think that's fair. Yeah. Like, uh, I mean, she didn't really want to go to the other planet. Um, no, she was tricked in like they were on the run and she was sort of lied to, definitely lied to, to, to get her to use her Sybil powers to sort of tap into her knowledge of old empire technology so that she could astrogate them through the black hole etc yes yeah and when she decides to come back it's very much she's like oh i feel cut off from my god the 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 sea god even though i know that isn't real now and it like it she's not yeah she's Wait, not acting so, in the way that i would say the best protagonists do but she she learned that like 
the the sea god and stuff was like the old empire before the hegemony like established some like library um and the mers are like the conduits of the library or something wasn't she able to access like this knowledge base on karmo he yeah she was right there are there are sibyls on other planets yeah um definitely god i have so many notes um yeah um yeah, what does like Moon uh, Sparks do during this? I guess he just gets upset and starts murdering. Right. He. Oh man, can we talk about Starbuck? Oh yeah. Remember Starbuck? That yeah. word that is from Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this book is pretty good. <laughs> this, yeah, this. It's it's in. This is one of the more interesting things in the book. I thought. The like Starbuck the, concept. Yeah, it was. I mean, it, it wasn't like mind blowing, but it was sort of very specific and interesting right for for our, our listeners uh yeah. the winter queen has to has the option of having like a a consort a, like a, a king a, someone who she like is romantically involved with um and is ritually executed with her at the end almost yes. like a king you know king consort yeah, yeah. Consort is a is a good word, and yeah. he's he has to be an offworlder. He leads the hunts to slaughter the Murs. He's sort of like kind of her spy master, also. Um, and yeah, it's just an, an interesting. Like, I feel like you could have subtracted that from the book, yeah, and none of the main world building or anything would have noticed. But it's still it was this nice I mean, sort of weird formulation that it, I like. It added stuff. I thought it did definitely. Yeah. Um, so on the note of Starbuck, at some point, Moon challenges the old Starbuck, Hearn. Oh, Sparks. 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 I keep confusing them. Sorry. Yeah. Sparks challenges the old Starbuck, Hearn, to be the new Starbuck. Um, and they do this via a, like, flute contest in a hall of winds. Yes. I was very upset by this. It just felt like it came out of nowhere. Yeah, and it's resolved by Sparks losing until Arianrod, uh, you know, intervenes, essentially kills the old Starbuck. And then Sparks, who basically has no qualifications of any kind to be the consort to the Snow Queen. But, um, but she seems to have sort of sincerely fallen for him to some degree yes. on and off throughout the book. And he obviously is still in love with Moon, and the Snow Queen is a clone of Moon who looks exactly the same. So, but basically, I mean, Sparks becomes Starbucks, sort of seems to sort of, you know, decide in in a in a in a mode I've seen before, like I am worthless and I'm going to throw myself into this um, immoral and degrading lifestyle because that's what I deserve. I'm not right. totally clear on why he does that. Like why he feels that way. Um, um I guess like he wants to be with Arian Rod and he has to kill Murs as part of his job. That's true, but yeah, that's true. And like the main reason it's immoral is because of the Mur killing, I think. I see. And like the Summers yeah, are they, they worship the Murs. Yeah, they're good guys. Yeah. And I always imagine them to be like half mermaids, half cats. Like I was half just cat. picturing otters, like big otters the whole yeah. time. <laughs> I switched between the cat mermaid and like walruses. <laughs> mm, that must have been troubling. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good. All right. So 
Arianrod is constantly... So I, I would say that Moon sort of... I, I guess it doesn't have to be a negative characterization, but for most of the book, she is sort of having a kind of episodic series of adventures where she's just sort of trying to keep her head above water and stay alive and get home and yes. find sparks. Yeah, and it's um, only at the end where she decides to be the Summer Queen. Does she have any... Right. Uh, like agency and then sparks for most of the book is just sort of going around having conversations with people being super weird talking like being really hateful to people around him being really depressed and self-hating um he i don't think he really does anything for most of the book uh yeah he just he just kills mers and then right uh is surprised when moon shows up again right and then Arianrod schemes, so yes. sort of lightly schemes. Um, her, so her first plan is to, quote unquote, be reincarnated by having Moon become the Summer Queen. Then yes. at some point in the book, this happens a couple times, I think, she thinks Moon has been killed or spirited off world or something. And then, and then she comes up with a new plan, which is to have some sort of criminal boss called the Source get get a hold of some sort of agent that will like a, a toxin possibly a disease. radioactive okay a disease okay yeah that and... will kill a bunch of summers at the festival where she's to be executed and i'm not sure where that's supposed to go is that so then she can just sort of stage a, a coup by force yeah so the, the way the ritual works is the summers would come into town and then they would kind of make sure she is ritually executed uh so if like this disease, let's call it smallpox, to which all the winters are vaccinated against, um, <laughs> is released. It'll kill all the summers, and then she won't have to get ritually executed because she'll be like state of emergency or something. Um, it's hard for me to imagine any of the off-worlders tolerating that. Yes, uh, yeah, and, and all the off-worlders come to see the ritual execution just to make sure it happens because they don't want Tiamat to be in winter's control during the summer when they're gone. Right. But we learn near the end that the winter, so all the winter, uh, sorry, all the offworlders leave at the end of winter because otherwise they're going to be stuck on this planet for 150 years. Yes. Um, but it, we learn near the end that they sort of, they release some sort of field at the end that blows up all the whatever component powers all their technology anyway. So Arianrod would have her knowledge, but she wouldn't, I guess she would have the ability. She, could, like, she would rebuild. know about the water of life and she could be alive when they come back, which would be bad, I guess. But so maybe they wouldn't. But I guess basically if she was going to be a problem, I cannot imagine the offworlders letting her just being like, oh, well, like, you're right. No summers came. I guess you get to be queen. Like someone would have just shot her. Right. I assume. But um, then again, like uh, this is not they're not a colony. They're like a client state. So I think um, the offworlders from Car Movie don't feel like they have the ability to declare war on this client state. Okay. Okay. So like they can't have a mil. They can't like have right, a military occupation because right. they don't have the technology for it. Okay. So they're just like trying to control them economically. Okay, I I can buy that. Um, it's, one, it's a little. Oh, I guess. No, your your turn. Uh, I guess one thing I thought was really cool, which we just talked about, is um, it seems like Arianrod is not like a clear-cut bad 
person because like if she's okay like having her clone take over um and her being ritually executed that means she's like willing to sacrifice herself for the good of the planet right um but on the other hand she's willing to like wipe out all the summers so she's like a very complicated mixed character which i thought was very interesting and like i like that a lot i like that too i just felt that and this is the last line in my document is that I thought that that's like the most compelling possible plot line out of this premise or, or is her being this ruthless scheming queen who's willing to sacrifice herself, who has all this knowledge from having lived for 150 years. Um, but that gets very little screen time. It mostly happens as she's on her way to the execution. Um, yes. and, and for a lot of the other times, she's just being sort of a regular evil queen where she's like messing with people and and flaunting her power or it's this like bizarre relationship she has with sparks that i can never tell is sincere or not right um so i wish there had been way more of that i agree i wasn't sure if like she was actually selfless until the execution like i thought for a while she was gonna like kill moon and just take her place or something like i was waiting for that reveal and it, it never happened and it turns out she was selfless Right. And that would have, I, I was expecting that too. And it was really nice that that didn't happen. Yeah. Um, it would have been too obvious. Right. And just sort of generic. Like that yeah. would not have been an interesting character. Yes. It would be too one dimensional. She'd be like, clearly wants to stay in power forever. So uh, there, yeah. go ahead. There are, there are way too many characters to go through all of their plot lines, but we've sort of talked in broad strokes about those three. Jerusha, the police inspector gets a ton of screen time. So I think we should, I should yeah. probably find another word for screen time, but she basically, but, but again, and I'm sure you can see a theme building here that I'm going to complain about later. Um, I feel like most of her plot was she is, she's a female police inspector who is then who defies the queen and then is promoted to chief by the queen Everyone under her is male and hates her. She's promoted out of like this roundabout form of revenge to make her suffer. Yes. The queen implants devices in her house that like make her miserable, that that like mess with her mental state, we find out at the very end. Um, but the result of this is that she spends most of her time just sort of agonizing about how she's not good enough, but she can't give up and how she's so miserable. And And she does some things, but it's just like laden down with all this misery. And yeah. or not even misery, just like, ah, uh, you know. Yeah, I didn't not like really. uh, her complaining so much. And then when she is on top at the very end, she's pretty unpleasant. Like not villainously so, but it um, doesn't feel like catharsis to me. Like she's right. I, I mean, one thing I thought that was cool about her, uh, similar to Arian Rod, was like. I don't know whether to root for or against her because Hmm. she's like trying to enforce hegemony rule and she doesn't want like, so when moon goes off planet, she's not supposed to come back because she knows all the tricks that the hegemony is supplying to Tiamat. Um, So she's like, on the one hand, she wants like to port moon, but on the other hand, she seems like a cool lady. Right. (laughs) Like morally she's sort of on board, but she's, you know, like lawful i mean she's a a police officer right so i thought this um this difference created a lot of tension and made me much much more interested in the book and her in general like i just didn't know what i wanted 
to happen in this book. So I really wanted to know what the author made happen. Hmm. That's, that sounds good. Yeah. Um, so I guess we can bring it through to the end, which is that after sort of a long middle section by the, so when moon leaves the planet, um, because of the time distortion, she comes back five years later. Yes. So we, we don't see all of that, but that five years is tacked onto, I think a, a pretty long middle section where not a lot really moves forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but, but by the end moon comes back, um, Jerusha gets a tip and is able to finally do some decent, like catch a, a worthwhile criminal by stopping the, the disease that's going to be released, stopping Arian Rod's last plan, which is also great because Arian Rod has been tormenting her. Yes. Like the whole time. Uh, moon comes back, decides that she needs to be the summer queen, rescues sparks because he would otherwise be drowned alongside the snow queen because he's the starbuck yes um and then she sort of sibbles her way into being the snow queen in a way that the summer queen uh, sorry the summer queen yes that i wasn't tell sure if we were supposed to feel was legit or not but i guess so yeah because following what the sibbles and the the sibyl sort of machine wants seems to be the closest thing to a good thing that we're sure about right yeah, it seemed like a good ending for like a morally upright lifting ending. Yeah, so she's in charge at the she is the summer queen at the end and it's going to be and Jerusha stays behind rather than accept this sort of spiteful sideways promotion to some penal colony to help her with the idea being that like more or less like the hegemony this is not they're not going to be caught by surprise by the idea of someone trying to keep technology alive during summer, but like, I'm going to try and help you out and I'm, I'm on board. So it's kind of a, it's a very, very, very long book style cliffhanger ending of like, she has become the summer queen. A lot of the good guys have won, but it's not like, Oh, like there's, there's tons of work to do. Yeah. There's room for a sequel and there is a sequel. It's a, it's a, it's a thing, right? It's a, yeah. the, the, there's a, the next series. book is called the summer queen. <laughs> oh, that, hmm. I guess. Well, the, that makes yeah. sense. Um, and yes. the last, so the summer Queens don't use the water of life. They just sort of age naturally. But the last summer queen who's alive when it is winter also gets ritually drowned. Yes. So, Probably don't probably don't want to be that lady. Um, No, I thought the chapter where Arian Rod was ritually executed, which was told from her point of view, was extremely interesting. It was by far the best chapter in the book. Like not even close. It was like incredibly good. Yeah, I agree with you. It is definitely the best chapter, uh, chapter fifty four. And a lot of it, like yeah, sorry. Oh, I no, go ahead. I wasn't. I was just gonna (laughs) wax poetically about it. (laughs) Same, but uh, well. I think a lot of it is that you get her perspective of she's just sort of like you get that that perspective that we get very little of throughout the book, which is she does have this bigger goal. She is this ruthless, sometimes spiteful, et cetera, person. But she is like she was expecting to die in this way for her origin for her plan A. And she's and, and the and the sort of horror and and the 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 change of 
her attitudes over the course as she's like, you know, car- taken down the long streets to the sea. Like, it's just really, it's really good. It's creepy. Yeah. It's, you really sympathize with her, but like, you like, she's kind of bad. So there is an element of justice about it, but it's, uh, yeah, great, great chapter. Yeah. I you just... know what it reminds me of in this context, real quick? Oh, yeah. Is the chapter in The Curse of Chalion where what's his name uses death magic in the middle to kill what's his name oh yeah (laughs) which was also like it was it was sort of horror elements and this same first person sort of sacrifice being sacrificed having this horrible thing happen to you really dramatic and also easily the best chapter in the book yeah i agree um yeah i I found this chapter uh the one in the snow queen like very creepy as well like uh like a morbid fascination yeah and it like still makes me uncomfortable yeah it's it's creepy and there's just so many little touches i i don't know for me it it almost feels like this was the the first image she had that when she started writing the book or something like she had this one really vivid like i can't imagine someone you know having a moment of inspiration and writing um you know the scene where she's captured by bandits or something like that like a lot of that stuff it i don't think it was bad but it felt like yeah that's true it was just regular stuff but this was like this really vivid unique like she can see moon up on the podium in the mask of the summer queen and all the people around her and then like the the nobles of winter who she's like oh well they're lamenting me out of their own self-interest obviously but in the end realizes that some of them do have a little actual affection for her and just all these great touches. Yeah, it is. It is great. Um, so I have a observation that is not really related to the plot or any main plot points. Would you All like right. to hear it? Yeah, punch it. Um, so I feel like Karmohi is base is basically India. Yeah. <laughs> uh, did you feel that way too? Yeah. Like there's a caste system, which is very Indian. Yeah. Um, all the characters have like vaguely Indian names, uh-huh. like the prime minister is named Ashwini, which is a woman's right, name. Right. Yeah. But yeah. like, yeah. Um, and there's yeah, the some patrolman's name. Oh, Gundal. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a, it's not quite Indian. It's like a perverted yeah. Indian. Like it's like using the same phenomes and stuff. Right. Um, and then I love, there's this one line that really sent, sent this home. His father held out a small jar of brownish paste. Stain your face and hands so that the guards will take you for a carmohi. Oh. Yeah, he did. The The patrolman did have like darker skin, I remember right. a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like you got to be got to be brown, I guess, to be yeah. the elite. Right. And they are. Well, I mean, they're they're also I thought. Yeah. And the, the lowest caste is called unclassifiable instead yeah. of untouchable. So right, right. I, I actually thought their honor culture which has been done a billion times was actually pretty good um just the way that they it's just it's just so savage um yeah yeah it at is. the end when the the patrolman who they thought was dead well not them but who was thought to be dead and barely survives and comes back and yeah. the conversation's going pretty well and then that he there's I don't remember the specifics, but there's some hint of weakness or slip up like in he, what he, he said, and they just they turn on him. like he tried to kill himself, and that's oh, like right. very bad, right? Which is 
weird. I, I mean, because he was doing it out of a sense of like when he was when we found out that he had tried to kill himself when he was imprisoned. To me, I was like, oh, this must be a thing of that culture. Like in his mind, it was very much out of a sense of honor. Right. That it was better to die. And I think that comes up. Yeah, I don't know. But I thought like suicide was frowned upon in their culture. Yeah, but don't they also, there's also references earlier to sort of high caste people killing themselves when they dishonor themselves in the slightest way. Oh. Um, like uh, the, the guy who accidentally recognizes the unclassifiable politician. And oh, then right. someone says like, yeah, well, are you excited that that young tech um, aristocrat is going to poison himself tonight? Because like, that's not good. Oh, but I, I thought that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I just liked like when the high caste person heard that the low caste politician had been accidentally raised up. His reaction was sort of like genuinely like, oh, great for him. That's there. He was so in inside the caste system that he's just like, oh, he's high caste now. That's fine. Right. Yeah. It wasn't like, how dare this unclassifiable aspire to be this? It's no, he's gotten there. Yeah. So now he deserves. I don't know. Right. It yeah. Was, that, that's pretty neat. Yeah. Um. Yeah, what, so what, how did that make you feel? Upset? Oh, or? Uh, no, I was, I thought that it was, a, I, I like that. Uh, one thing I didn't like though, was like their language is called Sandy. And whenever they spoke it, they just like <laughs> inverted the order of like nouns and verbs like Yoda. Yeah. I hated that. <laughs> I, I tolerated it for a minute. I thought, oh, this feels sort of like a clever way. I sort of feel like I'm getting the experience of hearing a language um, but because I think it was Moon who was hearing it, uh, or someone who was hearing it who didn't perfectly understand the language. So I was like, okay, this is sort of generating the experience in me of stumbling over words. In a, but then every time it was spoken, they were doing it, and yeah, that that stuff I think can just be omitted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess it, yeah, like you said, it's it's clear that it's another language, I guess. But I still didn't like it. Like I would prefer like they spoke in this language and said this or something. Yeah. Right. Or just at a certain point, you can go full, I, I don't know what the word for it, but full sort of uh, minimalist and just, you know, at, at a certain point, you can stop observing that there are five different languages being spoken and just have people communicating. Right. And if there's someone there who doesn't understand, you can note that they don't understand. But um, it's it's a disease that science fiction has. Yeah. And so what I think... Yeah, I, I've been trying. I've been struggling with the the idea of where we should fit our ratings or or general opinions in for the flow of the of the review. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. What do you think? I feel like in the middle is kind of an interesting spot for it. Like, you wanna... Yeah, I, I, that sounds good. I mean, I feel like they're the climax, but that doesn't mean they have to be at the end. Okay, no, we'll. You're right. You're right. We'll we'll keep people in suspense. I think that's good. No, no, but. Um, we- I feel like uh, like fifty percent to seventy percent of the way through is good. Like okay, so this we, is a long book, book, so this will be a three or four hour podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, <We'll... laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I really liked about this is how they like view technology in a positive light. <laughs> I thought you were going to have all these problems about how um, the all the technology stuff was portrayed as pretty sort of degenerate and. You know, like all these summers who are who are infected with this outworlder technology, and in the end, we need 
the the purity of the like the sibyls are sort of quasi quasi religious even though there's a sort of sci-fi underpinning oh um, no, no no i because like um all like the protagonists recognize that like yeah. technology is good and they like and point they out like real things that are good like technology can be used to cure diseases mend broken bones make sure childbirth doesn't kill you oh i remember that yeah and this is like these are like real things that technology is good for in the real world and also in their world so i feel like it's really mm. reminding people about how innovation is actually good and not bad and like the summers are kind of like uh a stereotypical race of people luddites i guess yeah right and they do end up being wrong like they think that they worship the goddess of the sea but they're wrong right like yeah it's not actually that it's actually this mechanical yeah okay well yeah i i like that too i thought there it was done with with nuance yeah even even when there were moments when i thought okay this is sort of anti-technology i mean part of the reason i think it's anti-technology is because you know innocent summer moon is the protagonist and evil scheming degenerate um technology loving arian rod is the villain for most of the book until right. maybe a touch at the very end right um, but someone comes around at the end i mean yeah. moon sorry yeah she does yeah um yeah so i guess i i've got lots of complaining to do as always um oh. But do you want to just end right now and give it ten star? <laughs> yeah, that I guess we can do that. No, no, you can, well, no. Your you're saying you're saying stop the vote. Yeah, stop, stop yes. the count. Something I like think that. it's been just long enough that there were people making that joke on like, you know, like the day after election day, and I was like, no, it's too soon for that joke. You have to yeah. wait a little bit. Anyway, um, all right. Well, let me say something. I, I uh, nice first, and then I'll do some complaining. And I complain about everything, even books I like. So, sure, sure. Um, I thought the premise is 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 super good. I thought the the world was good. The summer and winter thing was good. The black hole, like I don't really care about the science of it, but the sort of the 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 empire, not well, not the empire. The hegemony is here, but then they have to leave, and sort of the mechanics and and how that all sort of. Uh, fed into the society and created all these tensions um i thought that was great like the way the culture of their world built up around these incredibly bizarre circumstances was great and the idea the the um the the sort of plot potentials that came out of it i thought were pretty good um yeah i think if if i had to give if i were in a horrible alternate universe only allowed to give one criticism of this book i would say it is oh my god way too long and i think a lot of my complaints would be lessened if like literally it had been cut in half um like uh i i enjoyed like, i think once we got to like once moon came back i think i enjoyed the entire book from then on hmm I, I, the, there was I, definitely more momentum because once she comes back, she's basically like, okay, well, I need to get to Sparks. And that gives some, some sort of like force to the plot. Yes. Um, I, I don't know. But you didn't like the bandits or. Uh, I, okay. I, so I know that 
story. And this is this is an older book. From to me, this is this is a classic Hugo winner, right? Yeah. Ambitious, packed with ideas and world building. Um, lots of characters, so it's like an epic in that Game of Thronesy kind of sense, where it's you know it's not just one hero's journey of like right. a hard boiled detective or something. Like it's weaving all these threads and then bringing them together. This is exactly what I expect from a Hugo winner from 1978. Um, 81 or 80. 1980. Yes. Well, I also expect it from 1978. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. I think so. I could see how someone would really like this book. And it seems like you did really like this book. Um, I, I think the writing is just okay. Mm-hmm. I think it needed to be cut, like even on a sentence level. There was too much. It was just a little on a sentence level. I feel like it was just a little too bloated with discre- like one too many metaphor fours per paragraph, one too many adjectives or clauses per sentence. Um, I agree with you on that. I, I okay. wrote here um, that I'm glad I didn't read the audiobook because I could skip all that. Hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, that would certainly. Um, yeah. If I let me just go to the the writing section. Um, I thought. And and a lot of this stuff is something that I just associate with like literary ambitious sci-fi period, I guess, as well as liter- literary ambitious fantasy. But oh, it's so expository, um, so many just sort of like, here we go, doing things. And then, of course, Planet X, three paragraphs of political history. Um, that's hard for me to to swallow in in a in a book like i don't think i've ever read a five-star book that was like that right um the in a similar vein there was a lot of uh sort of philosophical like not lecturing but like speechifying or or about morality or about um sort of characters internal transformations like stuff that bordered on soliloquies which i have a tough time with especially near the end like people staring out of windows and saying like, I guess I've always known that I would be trapped here or whatever. Like these like three paragraph chunks of, of, of stuff. Um, and a really picky level, the dialogue way too many for my tastes, um, like physical ticks or motions. Um, like, you know, the sort of every single line of dialogue had to be, had to be attached to something like, you know, Neil put down the mug and and shaded his eyes against her glare, you know, like that sort of stuff too much. Like if, if all the dialogue had been cut down to, you know, if, if nine out of 10 of those instances had been removed, I think it would have been way snappier. Yeah. I, yeah. Maybe it needs an editor. Um, yeah, do you what? I feel like I should trade back and not just go through all my. I mean, I don't have too much more to say about the book. Um, I noticed a like war on drugs reference. The drugs mm. he used to reward him in pain were turning his brain soft. Oh, yeah, that sounds good. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Any other interesting things? 
There was an immense balloon of a woman pouring beer for no one. <laughs> uh, yeah, there were. Yeah. I don't know. These are some of my notes that I wrote that I just don't know why I wrote them anymore. Yeah, well, you got to note taking yeah. is is a sort of improvisational. Yeah. And then I quoted a chapter about a cat or a sentence about a cat. A large gray cat appeared out of nowhere on the tabletop. Oh, yeah. That that was the mask maker. Yeah. yeah. That was always crambling around. Yeah. Yeah. Just like your cats. I get. Yeah. I I just I never felt propelled by wanting to know what came next. Maybe in in specific moments, some specific moments I did, but uh, I I think my core my core issue here was that I didn't really care about any of the core emotional relationships in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, like not I didn't really care. I was just sort of like, oh okay, like th- things seem to relationships seem to form too quickly and and not really in a way that seemed natural like um Elsevier who's mm-hmm. one of the smuggler the older woman who lies to um who oh, right. they, rescues moon and then lies to her and takes her off world and then brings her back and dies in the trip back um like they develop this like mother daughter lost child relationship very quickly and then she dies and is sort of discarded by the story and like sinks with the ship and i was just sort of like what well i guess so um and i felt i just felt like confused and sort of left cold by sparks and moon their relationship like moon just sort of loves him and has decided to even though like he killed the murs she takes him in right yeah that's one of the rudest things you can do and their cats, basically. Yeah. But um, even beyond that, it was just sort of like they were like teenaged in love as teenagers. And then Moon is just sort of obsessed with him in this sort of mythical, like this fable kind of, he is my one true love, no yeah. matter what. And it's just like, uh, I don't really, I, it just, none of it ever got, the only relationships I really sort of found myself caring about were some very incidental ones like Jerusha and BZ, the, yeah, the patrolman, yeah. they seemed friendly. And I was real. I was like, Oh man, I'm really happy for her that she's going to find out that he's alive. Yeah. Right. But like with sparks and moon, I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're so tormented and, and sparks is such a wet blanket that like, yeah. Right. So, so for me, I still wanted to know what happened, even though I, I had the same feeling with these characters, like the Sparks Moon relationship didn't matter. Um, Elsevier mother or daughter Moon relationship, who cares? Um, but I wanted to know what happened because, like, I didn't feel like there was an obvious ending to this book when I was mm. halfway through. So I was like very motivated to keep reading it. Um, and, and I'll say, like, I only started getting motivated to read it about halfway through. Like the first half of the book, I found kind of slow and daunting. Yeah, yeah. I definitely, if we hadn't been reviewing it, I think the first half I probably would have stopped. Yeah, um, um, I, I can make a comment in a lead up to our star rating if you're interested. Sure. Uh, yeah. So when I started reading this book, I was like, like ten pages, and I'm like, this is definitely going to be a one star book. I don't know if I want to <laughs> finish this. Um, and my rating just kept rising as I kept reading it. Um, so well, I, now I you're spoiled that it's higher than one star, Neil. Yeah, I can reveal my final rating, shall I? Sure. Yeah, I, I'll give it four stars. Okay. Um, 
because of the very interesting world um, and concepts and the stellar chapter 54 where Arian Rod uh, gets ritually executed. Great chapter. I feel like it's telling that it's chapter 54. Yeah. And it's like, just to give you a sense of, I think we, we tried to do some back of the envelope math and I think we're thinking 240,000 words, something like that. Yeah. Something around that. Maybe longer. Yeah. Um, I just want to, I think part of it, I, I am the lengths of a book just for our readers. Like a like a, a tight paperback novel is probably like eighty thousand. Okay, so this, this is three of those. Yeah, this is like a thick book. The one I got from the library is uh, straight up like it's like a large. Um, it's probably like the the cover is probably like twice the area of a paperback. It's like a tall. Yeah. Also, in the back, it has a reading group guide. Oh yeah, I read so, some of that. <laughs> oh really? Do I yeah. wonder if we have the same edition? This is a, it's like a paperback with her in the white mask on the cover. I got a audio, um, a ebook. Oh okay, uh, but uh, probably. Interesting. Yeah this this was where it said that it was based on the idea of, or or at least somewhat inspired by that myth. Um, yeah, I just yeah, I'm. Hard, hard to, hard to say slash no, but, oh, sorry, my, my mic was being weird. So obviously I was not, it's hard for me in reading these books for review to know what to do with the book that I really had a hard time finishing. Mm -hmm. Um, It picked up definitely, but I was already sort of, I had already sort of had my my like reading uh, vibe kind of broken and I was into the critical road. And um, so it's sort of hard to know how that, how that would have gone. I I think great premise hints of really good stuff for someone who likes a certain, this style of sci-fi. I think it's a great, example of it like if you want something epic and you're kind of in for the length and and interested in the world building and the not so much the science but like the geopolitics of it and stuff like that i think there is a lot of stuff there yes um i just i I have to say for me personally and it's not joan d vinge's fault because she wrote this 40 years ago she this is just I personally cannot take much more of the sort of, um, you know, dark cyberpunk or sci-fi, like look at this city packed with all the worst of humanity, worst and best. And like the, the heights of the palace and the, and the depths of the casino and the craziest drugs and the off world aliens. Like I just, the, the glittering delights and perversions of this interstellar, it's just like, I've seen that like 10 billion times. Right. And at a certain point, those world building descriptions are just white noise to me. Um, I see. Even though so I they're, they're, it. Yeah. It's just, it's seeing it all laid out so sort of lovingly and, and in such detail is like Dune. I had never seen anything like that. So I tolerated a 
pretty stiff dose of world building there. Although I think it's done sort of more artfully. But with this, like even when I try to read, you know, classic cyberpunk books and stuff like that, it's just like, yeah, okay, right. The limits, people are going to the limits of, of debauchery and body mods and makeup and crazy. Right. The one the one thing I did like was when Sparks very early on goes to that um like animal like sort of dogfight style thing. I thought that oh, was yeah. pretty dark in an effective way. I forgot about that. I didn't quite understand yeah. what was happening when I yeah. read it. I think I was not into the book at that time. Yeah. Yeah, it was So for me, I think this has to be a two star because I thought it was okay. And that's what two star means. Yeah. I can I can respect the ambition and the scope, but it just it didn't come together for me. And without a character whose motivations I could sort of hook onto, I, I was just sort of like I I didn't care about like the end of every chapter, almost every chapter, I was just sort of like, okay, we are progressing towards the end very slowly because this is a long book. Um, what about like chapter 54? Oh, and what I, a good chapter. Like, is that a five-star chapter? Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's it's probably not like the best chapter I've ever read, but it's it's comfortably a five-star chapter for me. So we can recommend our readers, I mean, our listeners to read only chapter 54. You could you could read chapter fifty four on its own and probably have a pretty exciting time. Like, do you think like, you know what's going on though? Like, maybe it needs a little bit, like another three pages of intro or something. If you read it as a short story, you'd probably be like, "I feel like this is confusing," but I think you'd still find it intriguing, and your imagination would fill in some gaps. Right. Um, yeah. So if if you, I would recommend this book. Despite two-star rating, I would recommend it to someone who has the tolerance for for a sort of more expository sci-fi epic. And there are plenty of people like that out there. Right. Yeah. I agree. So that's that's pretty good. Yeah. So six out of ten. <laughs> right. Is that how it works? Sixty uh, percent, which is hmm, that's not good. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to take a look at the Hugo's list and yes. you want to announce our, our vacation plans? Uh, yes. Um, so because of the holidays, we're going to be taking a two week break. Uh, so with that, I mean, we always take a two week break between episodes, but we'll be taking an extra two weeks. So our next uh, podcast will post four weeks from this one. Agreed. Um, I want to read something more more recent just because i'm trying to find like i would love to find a contemporary author that i could follow or something uh what is let's see i'm just looking for an author i haven't read man jim butcher was nominated for a hugo Damn. who's that that's the dresden files guy oh, if you've ever i have not there's a lot of repeats on here and there are a lot of people being nominated in 2018 who have been nominated before. Like Kim Stanley Robinson is on here. Oh man, that guy. I don't think and I can do it. Deal with him. No, anymore. no. I, I want to find a, a totally new author. I wish, I wish this list put page count because yeah, that's really, I wish that, like more. that's what determines if a book is good. Is it under 300 pages? Then it's probably good. Maybe we should read a short, a novelette. <laughs> 
novella. Yeah. I've been trying to read more short stories, but the first four or five I read in the latest issue of fantasy and science fiction did not inspire me about that. Like all the talents are hiding out there. Also the headlining story of the thing in 2020 was David Gerald's who wrote the trouble with tribbles story is dreadful. That's that's, there's no young talent forcing out the trouble with tribbles star Trek writer. That's that guy must be like 90 or something, right? Yeah. He's, Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> wow. I mean, he wrote that in what, 1965? Yeah. So, I mean, that's pretty impressive. It's a, it's Doctor Who fan fiction is the story, like straight up. The character is the oh. doctor and sees the, the fourth doctor come out of another elevator at one point. I, I think I've had enough of Doctor Who. Yeah. Well, you should try Doctor Who fan fiction when you're not expecting it. I, I'm good. All right, let me look at this book here. Let's go with, I just want to make sure, Ooh, military science fiction. I don't oh, think... I mean, that's good. No, no, stuff. no, 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 what's this? Ooh, a fantasy novel. Wow, I don't see many of those. All right, let's be sad. What is it? This is 2019 nominee Trail of Lightning by Rebecca Roanhorse, R-O-A-N, horse. Sure. After a supernatural disaster destroys most of North America, Navajo monster slayer Maggie Hosky yes, must navigate a world of monsters and gods. And it also won the 2019 Locus for Best First Novel. So, That's pretty and good. on the cover, she's standing on the hood of a vintage car or pickup while lightning strikes it. So it has to be good. Yeah. All right. So four stars, two stars. Probably not read the plot summary. <laughs> Yes, get out of there. (laughs) And we will see you in four weeks, not two weeks, for the start of season two. I think that's probably fair to say. because end of the year. Yeah, end of the year and 12 episode seasons, that's a good number. Well, maybe next year will be a longer season. Yeah, and we'll have a playoff. Yeah. Anyway. All right. Good work, Neil. Yeah. I'll see you in, uh, in four weeks. Yeah, see you in the new year.